The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Monday morning, October the 7th. Most of week five of the NFL season is in the books. This is the CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. I am living the dream, having uh, having defeated Pete Prisco in head-to-head fantasy battle with 166 points, thanks in large part to uh, Will Fuller. We will get to that in a minute. We will do a full breakdown of my uh, my specific matchup. I will explain to John Breach and Sean Wagner. By the way, Sean. What's up? Have you gotten your shirt yet? I have not gotten my shirt. We should talk it, about that. <laughs> it is in the – I swear. Oh, my goodness. It is in the mail. It is all oh. the – I swear. It when was the, it put in the mail? I don't remember. I took it myself, though. Okay, because I was more concerned. I was hoping it was in your wife's car, like you said, because I was more worried that she put it in the mail and it was gone at the wrong address. So this is encouraging news. In fact, I mailed a uh, listener a T-shirt. I mailed my mom the jacket that I've been meaning to send her for like three weeks. And I mailed you your shirt. And uh, what size half zip did you say you wanted? <laughs> Whatever I say, you're going to say you didn't get me it. I said medium. For the well, love of God, if you sent me a large, I'm going to riot. Well, you did get a large. But the good news is that it's going to be a holiday season soon, so you'll get fat. So you can just wear the large. And you know what? You're not even going to get it anyway, Sean, because there's actually – there's a 50% chance that Brinson just sent this, like, Pony Express. I bet they have that in Raleigh. You know, like the 1800s where the horse just delivers it in a buggy and goes across the country. That's why you haven't gotten it. It's been three weeks. There's no way you shouldn't have gotten this thing yet. Did you put my dad's shirt in? That's yeah. honestly what I care about the most. And yeah, that so was a medium? That was a medium that I wore live on a podcast. You know what? I will take it. Thank you. I do like the image of you, by the way, that you can't bother to make multiple trips to the post office, that you, like, save up all your things, and you, like, drive up to the post office, and you just have, like, an entire car. You're like Santa Claus with that beard. Pretty much, yeah. Um, by the way, the good news is about your large half zip. It, I couldn't find a medium to send to you, so I, but we accidentally washed a large, and it shrunk. So I think it should be a medium. Um, so that's why we ended up sending it. All right. You know, I'll, I'll, wait, wait. I'll, the other good news here is that I, you guys are probably wondering, obviously people listening couldn't see this, why I was stripping in front of you guys on camera. Yeah, I, was I, I wasn't, wasn't just trying to treat you to some free breech boobs. Uh, <laughs> I was checking the size 
of my half zip because this is what Sean wants. And this is say the size of your boobs. (laughs) I I think they're a cups, but uh, this is a large Sean, and we're about the same size humans, and this fits me comfortably. They run. I'm actually taller. So I think the large. Well, then it's gonna fit you snugly. Then a medium would be too small. Actually, I actually remember like a year ago when we started this like merch conversation about me trying to get some. You talked about how I should get a large because they run really small. Yes, I did. Uh, let's let's move along to other matters. <laughs> Speaking of uh, things that are great news for you, Sean. Uh, oh, here it comes. Yep. Time to own up to it. <sighs> the Chiefs offense doesn't look great. It looked like crap on Sunday night. The Chiefs were manhandled by the Colts. They lost outright in Kansas City to the score of 19 to 13. The Chiefs ran rough shot through the defense. Marlon Mack, 29 carries, 132 yards. Quentin Nelson and company were bullying around the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was your sweet little precious prince, was all hobbled around on his little, on his ankle. He didn't look good. The Chiefs had no run game. Some guy named Byron Pringle was their leading receiver. Um, and, and the Chiefs lost for the first time this year. And I think it would only be fair for you, Sean, to admit that Patrick Mahomes is going to regress this year. For the record, I've been saying for weeks now that he would regress in terms of touchdowns, which he only threw one touchdown on Sunday night, and he still threw for 321 yards, so he's still well on pace to break the passing record, unlike Andy Dalton, uh, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not that concerned as a non-Chiefs fan who's kind of a Chiefs fan. I'm not that concerned long-term because I don't think they were going to get home field advantage anyways because the Patriots play in the AFC East. This is what I'm concerned about is all the injuries because they were kind of banged up heading into this game with Eric Fisher out, obviously Tyreek Hill out, and they lost a lot of guys. Sammy Watkins tried to play. He left immediately. They left. They lost another offensive lineman. Chris Jones left with a groin injury, was immediately ruled out. They don't get their buy until week 12. So this is what I'm worried about, and I think with them – I, I think they're safe in the AFC West because, look, the Chargers, you know, stumbled again. The Raiders are in second place in that division. So I don't think they have to worry about winning the division. But with all these injuries, I have a really tough time believing they're going to get home field advantage. And I don't think there's a single person out there, including me, the biggest Chiefs homer who's not a Chiefs fan, who would pick them to go into New England against that defense and win. No. And uh, when you look – and by the way, um, this is obviously a super fringe show – we, uh, Ryan Wilson is not with us. He's, he's dealing with some personal stuff, uh, personal matters. Um, and we'll be back soon, but, uh, you know, we, we miss Ryan and we wish, uh, we, we, we wish him, uh, the best. The, when you look at what the Chiefs have coming up, I would be concerned. They have the Texans, Broncos, Packers, and Vikings over the next four weeks. When you look at where those teams rank in terms of DVOA, uh, the Texans were coming in with 13th, and they did a really good job against Matt Ryan in, in a shootout. Uh, the Vikings were ninth and, and smashed the, the Giants. Uh, the Packers were seventh and took care of business against the uh, against the Cowboys, and we'll get to all those games shortly. But this is a tough schedule breach for the Chiefs on a scale of one to ten. Uh, how how much concern would you have for Patrick Mahomes in, in Kansas City uh, moving forward? Sean, clearly, as a look of one. I, I would say a three. So you were just talking about their future games. 
They have the Texans and the Broncos coming up. And the thing is, that Broncos game is on a Thursday. And to me, that's where, if I'm Andy Reid, I am just, like, pleading that no one else gets injured between now and then because that's a 10-day break. That's almost like a bye. The Chiefs are in desperate need of some time off so their players can heal. So, honestly, if they could get their – I know it sounds like they probably should win both those games, but if they get through those just one and one, you get to that fake bye, that 10 days off – uh, at five and two, your players can heal. That's a good thing. Because I think one thing that was very interesting that Patrick Mahomes said tonight was that he basically said, hey, look, the Colts defense came out and did the same thing the Lions did. They played man to man. And obviously the risk of that against Patrick Mahomes is that he's going to burn you deep. But you just talked about who the Colts receivers are. Byron Pingrel is not burning anyone deep. You start watching for Hardman so that he can't do it, and the Colts really kept their eye on Travis Kelsey. So it's like if Tyree Kill's not out there, there is really no deep threat, and you can easily play them man up. And so if Tyree Kill's not there next week, I'm sure the Texans will do the same thing because uh, usually what you don't see in the NFL is something work two weeks in a row. And the fact that it did against the Chiefs is a little bit concerning. So uh, I would say as long as they get everybody back, after that week seven game against the Broncos, after that 10 day break, they're fine. Uh, but if, if these injuries hit and any of these are long term, they're in trouble. Sean, do you think that Tyreek Hill fixes what's wrong with the Chiefs? To a degree, because what Breach just mentioned, you can't really play that man coverage that they're playing if you have a guy like Tyreek Hill who will burn whoever's guarding him that tightly. And I think that was part of the problem is as soon as Watkins left out, look, even if Watkins is not catching passes like he did in week one, he's still a threat where they have to respect him deep. I don't think anyone's respecting Byron Pringle. Uh, look, mm-hmm. we all like Hardman's speed, but I don't think he's a refined enough receiver uh, to actually threaten teams like that consistently. So I think Tyreek Hill fixes a lot. The number one concern for me is Eric Fisher. I think the protection right now with Mahomes dealing with the gimpy left ankle, he can't move around back there. I think that's the biggest problem is they need to be able to protect him back there, and I think that matters more than Tyreek Hill. I I would say the number one concern is Mahomes being injured. I mean, if that ankle – if he's hobbled – that's such a huge element of their offense. Is I mean, he had one of the best plays of the season where he scrambled backwards 15 yards – came up the sideline, threw a dart into the end zone for a touchdown. That was probably the best throw of the game. Uh, but once he injured that ankle, once he was banged up, there's, he couldn't have done that if that was, if he needed to do that in the second half. And if that injury lingers for the next week or two, and I know, Brent, you mentioned the Texas Broncos, J.J. Watt, Von Miller, you're running away from those guys on a hobbled ankle. Uh, that's just like uh, an injury waiting to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I Look. The division is huge. I mean, the Chargers laid an egg. The Broncos have one win and the Raiders are three and two. And we'll talk about them in a second. And they're, they're a surprise team, but I, I, I don't think anybody's going to believe that they're just going to topple the Chiefs. So that's enormous for Kansas City. But just to, to circle back on the schedule as well, like after their week 12 bye, they get the Raiders at home at the Patriots, Broncos at home at the Bears and the Chargers. I mean, I, I think it is, it's going to be really difficult for this Chiefs team. With their injuries, with the offensive line woes, with the defensive woes, um, to capture the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, I've completely, I think, punted on that idea because, again, the Patriots still going to play the Dolphins again. Uh, I don't think the Bills 
in New England is going to th- are going to threaten them, and they still get to play the Jets again. So to me, th- that division is so much easier as opposed to the Chiefs. I know the Chargers are struggling right now, but you don't want to play the Chargers. And look, I know the Broncos aren't that great, but I think the Broncos can give the Chiefs a tough game if their defense is playing well. Um, what I was going to say also about the Chiefs, what concerns me long term is we've been talking about this on the last couple of podcasts, even though it hasn't cost them in games. It's Andy Reid, and he kind of had those type of Andy Reid moments before that we always think about when it comes to playoffs and late-game situations. I mean, he bungled the end of this game completely when the Chiefs were down 10, and it probably wouldn't have mattered because they probably weren't going to win anyways. Uh, but they uh, they bungled the end there, and what really concerned me was they had a fourth and one in the fourth quarter when they were down six, and you have this offensive genius who's so good at scheming up all these incredible plays, and the Chiefs hadn't been able to run the ball the entire game, and what does he do? He hands the ball off up to Damian Williams right up the middle, and he gets stuffed. It's You weren't winning up front the entire game. You had multiple offensive linemen out, put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, and instead he gets conservative. I like the call to go for it. I don't like the play call, and, and that still concerns me is Andy Reid's situational awareness. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Uh, Andy Reid, by the way, two and five in his last seven prime time games. That is uh, not ideal. Um, all right, moving along. Anything else you want to add on the Chiefs there? I, I want to throw one thing on the Colts real quick. Oh, my God. Besides, I was going to say, we should talk about the Colts. I mean, just for the record, I've been in Stanford, Connecticut, uh, doing video. <laughs> been doing it. I've been like running back and forth since noon and I'm, I'm, I'm fried in my brain. So, um, my fault to the Colts. I, the Colts could win the division. I mean, there's no reason to think that Indianapolis can't take down the AFC South uh, with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. That offensive line is awesome. Their defense is a problem. I don't think they're going to beat anybody defensively. Now, they, they they played their tails off on Sunday night. Justin Houston was incredible. Clear, obvious revenge game for him. Um, but I don't know that the defense is necessarily good. They're going to have to – they won. They had four – Different drives that had that that lasted for ten plays or more. Now, not all of them. One of them, I think, Sean, you pointed out. No, I, what I was going to point out is they had two consecutive drives in the second half. They only got three points out of those drives, but it was twenty-five plays, eighty-two yards, which means they only averaged three point three yards per play. But they burned fifteen minutes off the clock, uh-huh. and the end result is they kept Mahomes off the field. And the Chiefs ran. Ugh, I lost it. Uh, the Chiefs had 13 plays in the fourth quarter before that end drive when they were down 10. So they just limited Mahomes' chances by a ball control offense that didn't necessarily result in points, but they just kept moving the chains on third down. And that's and that's how teams beat the Chiefs late last year. The Chargers did it. Uh, the Ravens took them to overtime, and the Seahawks beat them. You know, that's that's what those teams did. They were physical. They ran the ball. They manhandled the Chiefs' defense. They kept Mahomes off the field breach, and, and as a result, you were able to beat Kansas City. And so, look, all credit goes to Frank Wright. You know, he said after the game, he said, well, he's like, the one emotion we said we don't have in this locker room is surprise. Like, we're not surprised we won that game. Yeah, and the thing is, I would say the Colts' biggest advantage is that Frank Reich is probably the best coach in the AFC South. I mean, I would take him over Bill O'Brien. I would take him over Doug Marone, and I would take him over Mike Rabel. Yes, and, by, a, by a million miles. Do you not remember the coaching ranking podcast we did before the season when I had Frank Reich as a top five no. coach? Everybody's like, that's right. Why would he have Frank Reich that high? Frank Reich is a top five NFL coach. I said it. We, we said all it. had him in the top ten, I do remember, and you did have him the highest. But the thing is – the Colts are three and two. They should be four and run. If if Adam Vinatieri didn't have a meltdown in week one, this is a four and one team, and we probably wouldn't. Have, no one would have been surprised by what happened. And so, when you have a coach who put together this game plan, I mean, 
there was no one who thought outside of the Colts locker room who thought the Colts were going to go into Kansas City and win tonight with both of their starting safeties out, with Darius Leonard out. I mean, that that is literally more than 25% of their starters going against the best offense in the NFL. And Frank Reich said, you know what? We're just going to pound the ball. We're going to have time possession for 40 minutes. The Chiefs are never going to touch it. We're going to beat up Patrick Mahomes, and we're going to win. And that's exactly what they did. Mahomes got sacked four times against Indy. He had only been sacked three times the entire season going into the game. So they passed that total. The Chiefs had the ball for less than 23 minutes. The past 60 times where an NFL team had the ball less than 23 minutes, those teams are 6 and 54. So if a team doesn't have the ball, they can't score. And if they can't score, they can't win. Uh, so I just thought it was a brilliant game plan by the Colts. That's a huge uh, mistake on your part, not to sneak fun fact in there. But that was a, that's a good stat. By the way, uh, Jim Irsay after the game said that this was the biggest regular season victory in their franchise's history, which means many people are saying, I'm hearing, that they are going to have a banner ceremony tomorrow at their uh, at their stadium. Stop. Stop. <laughs> uh, how, is it, how is this possibly the biggest regular season victory? <laughs> right. As a loon. Um, all right, Sean, what, uh, what game was more surprising and worse for your regression brand, the Chiefs losing <laughs> on Sunday night? Or your precious Bears going to London and losing to the Raiders in a reverse revenge game against Khalil Mack. John Gruden gets his revenge. He takes the guy who was picked with the Khalil Mack pick, Josh Jacobs, and he runs Jacobs for three touchdowns to beat the Bears. Khalil Mack is worthless. Derek Carr dominates. Which, uh, which, what hurts you more? Patrick Mahomes collapsing or your precious little Chicago Bears? Losing a devastating game. Nice. <laughs> so, by the way, I want to thank you for getting these two games out of the way because I was dreading having these two conversations. So now I can look forward to the rest of the podcast once we get through these next few minutes. I think it's the Bears because with Mahomes, you can understand it um, with the injuries and with his own injury. You can kind of understand why he didn't have a great night. And he still statistically had an okay night. The thing about this Bears loss is it came down to the wire. Um, they lost it late in the fourth quarter. It really should have never been this close. I mean, they were completely dominated in the first half. It was 17 nothing at halftime. They could not stop Derek Carr, who only threw, I believe, two passes 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. But it was just all a short passing game, rolling them out away from Mack, triple-teaming Mack. Akeem Hicks left really early with a horrible-looking elbow injury. It looks like a dislocated elbow. And so... They were just gashing them on the ground, and this was the type of thing that we saw happen a couple times last year, but I did not expect to happen against this Raiders offense. And the only reason the Bears were in this game late is because at the beginning of the third quarter, the Raiders had one of the the funniest turnovers I think you're ever going to see, which was Josh Jacobs was clearly expecting a handoff. Derek Carr was expecting a pitch, so Derek Carr just whips a pitch right past Josh Jacobs in their own, you know, in their own half, and Khalil Mack runs and recovers it. And it was just like, oh my god, the Raiders are Raiders ring. The Raiders also in the second half fumbled on the one yard line when Trevor Davis, um, who went to Cal Go Bears, was about to score a touchdown and. The Bears peanut punched it out. So this was a game I never felt like the Bears deserved to be in. It felt like the Raiders were gift-wrapping this win. And what hurts is the Bears should have won this game late in the fourth quarter because they were winning, and the Raiders were punting with five minutes left in the game, and the Bears on fourth and six ran into the punter, 
And then on the next play, the Raiders lined up for a punt, and they ran a fake, and they got it, and they went down, and they scored the game-winning touchdown. So this game, to me, was a comedy of errors. I don't think it says that much about the Raiders, except that the Raiders are you know, competitive. It, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think anyone here is going to vouch for them to make the playoffs. But I do think they have made strides under Gruden this year, and at the very least, they play hard every single week, and I think that matters. And with the Bears, we saw the same thing happen last year. They lost a couple ugly games, one with Chase Daniel to the Giants. They lost to the Dolphins. Um, and I think, to be honest, a 3-2 and two record for the Bears going to their bye is completely fair because I think they should have lost to Denver. Uh, they could be sitting at 2-3, and three, so I don't think the Bears should be unhappy about their record. The bigger concern is that their offense, and I know it's still with Chase Daniel, continues to look terrible. And what it what that means is that their defense has to play these perfect games for them to win. And with their defense, like they did on Sunday, did not play well, I don't think against good teams that won't hand them the turnovers that the Raiders did, they're not going to be able to get back into it. Man, Josh Jacobs ran so well in this game. You could almost tell he was motivated. I think he might have been motivated by the fact breach that he was the guy. You know, everybody was talking about Khalil Mack all week long and how <laughs> – you know, he was, you know, the Mac, you know, the Mac trade and all of that. And then it was actually Jacobs, um, who, uh, you know, who, who was picked with the Mac trade. Yeah. I actually love everything that happened in this game because, you know, last year, everyone wrote about and laughed about how, uh, the Raiders got ripped off. The Bears got the good end of the deal because Mac just had such a phenomenal start of the season. He's been such a star and that the Raiders were probably going to blow their draft picks. So it didn't really matter what draft picks they got in that trade. And now here we are a year later and Josh Jacobs was the better player on the field when those two were on the field together. And now it's like, now this is a trade we're going to have to evaluate in like 10 years to see who actually won it. Because right now you could argue that, you know, it's starting to kind of leverage toward the Raiders that they did. But let me also say, as our official time zone correspondent of this podcast, that the Bears flew out there on Thursday for practice on Friday. You don't do that. John Gruden did it last year. They flew out Friday from the West Coast. He admitted it was the dumbest decision he's ever made. And literally after Sunday's game, he's like, yeah, we're not doing that again. We're going to go out there. We're going to spend the whole week out there. We're going to adjust. You can't just adjust an eight-hour time change overnight or even two nights. It takes some time. So the Raiders were there all week. The Bears were not. And that's what it looked like. It looked yeah. like a team who got off a flight and had no idea it was going on, completely disoriented. And that's not to take anything away from the Raiders, but that, that was not a Bears defense that we've ever seen in America. That was the London Bears, <laughs> the London silly nannies uh, out there who just got run over by the Raiders. If that game had been played in Oakland, you know, I don't know the Raiders win it, but the Raiders were definitely the better team in London. And it, it really kind of shakes everything up as far as just – the overall outlook of the NFL because the Bears lost to a Raiders team we didn't think was good, but now the Raiders are three and two. Are they good? Could they win the AFC West? I mean, it's not crazy with the way the Chiefs are looking. The last thing I want to add about the Bears, uh, we can go back to the Raiders if we want to, but I hope this game does put to rest the whole idea that Chase Daniels is an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky because while Yes, maybe as passers on a consistency basis, Daniel can be a bit more consistent in terms of his reads and making the right decisions. I thought what the Bears really lacked in this game was mobility at quarterback, and Trubisky's weapons are such an asset. And there was a couple plays there where you know Chase Daniel goes down uh, or makes a bad throw where Trubisky would have taken off and gained 25, 30 yards. So I really think uh, for the Bears season to go anywhere, no, they, I mean, they need – 
Trubisky to come back, but then they also need him to elevate the offense because they're not going to win games with this offense looking this terrible because it demands perfection from their defense and that you can't expect their defense to be perfect through a 16-game season. Bears have a rough schedule coming back from London. Oh, yeah. Saints at home, Chargers at home, at Eagles, Lions at home, at Rams. I mean, that's that's five pretty good teams. Like, those are five potential playoff teams. And uh, if Chicago at three and two, if Chicago doesn't, I mean, I think they probably need to go absolute worst case two and three in those next five games, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I will note is they did this almost exact same thing last year uh, where they lost a couple of bad games going in through by, uh, I think they were sitting like three and three or four and four, and then they went nine and one down the stretch. So I'm, I don't want to write off the Bears, but yeah, if we were like, for example, picking repicking the NFC North and playoff teams. I would not pick the Bears to make the playoffs because with that schedule coming up, this was a game even with Chase Daniel, I think they had to have and they just simply didn't get it. It's the toughest division in football by by far. I mean the the Lions uh, on you know on a bye two one and one. The Packers moved to four and one. The Packers look like they're in very good shape with a win uh in in in, in Dallas there. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Um unless you want to come back to the Bears. I yeah I would be worried I, I didn't pick the Bears to make it, um, but I think with the Dallas and Green Bay, man, Green Bay got stomped in in the face by the by the Eagles' running game on on last Thursday, and uh, and I think we all kind of, at least a lot of us, I, mean, I know I did, I I should have rethought it, but I thought the Cowboys would run Zeke Elliott all over all over Green Bay's defense, that Aaron Rodgers would have a tough time against that against that Cowboys defense, and it was the opposite. I mean, the Cowboys couldn't get their run game going early enough. They fell behind 14 nothing. Um, Dak Prescott looked terrible. He was heavily pressured all over the place by, uh, by uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, who totaled, uh, three sacks and, uh, and, and six quarterback hits. And ultimately Dallas lost 34 24 to the Packers at home in a game that I think is going to have a lot of people questioning. It's like the, the back and forth, John, when it comes to the, the Dak Prescott, uh, contract like people are like well Dak's costing himself money he's losing all the money he's choking you can't pay Dak Jerry just go draft a quarterback and they took their jibs yeah I mean it was this team was three and oh two weeks ago and everybody's like oh Dak's so smart he's gonna get 40 million dollars a year now they've lost two in a row and he barely deserves Andy Dalton money if you follow uh the Cowboys fans on Twitter so it's just really interesting to see that dynamic and I will say I'm going to toot my own horn real quick as the only as the lone wolf who picked the Packers to beat the Cowboys on Sunday. One reason I did that. Well, really two reasons. I think when we watched the Packers get beat up by the Eagles run game, it really came across to me. Not really that they got I mean, they got destroyed, but it felt like they were surprised because the Eagles run game had done nothing up to that point. And so I just don't think Green Bay was completely prepared for it. I don't think it was indicative of how bad of a rushing defense they had. I thought it was better than what they showed against the Eagles, and they had 10 days to figure things out. And then on the flip side, so they were going to go in here with their one goal being, we're just going to stop Zeke Elliott. We're not going to get run over like we did against the Eagles. And, and then from the Cowboys' point of view, I don't know that we've really learned anything about them. They beat the 0-5 Redskins. They beat the 0-4 Dolphins. They beat the Giants team that was 0-2 when Eli Manning was the starter because they faced Eli Manning, not Daniel Jones. So, like, they really hadn't done anything this season to to warrant me 
picking them to beat a Packers team that's beaten the Bears, that's looked good in multiple games. And so I think what we saw from the Packers is what we saw early in the season was their defense just absolutely dominated this. I mean, Green Bay's defense won this game. They they picked off Dak Prescott three times. Uh, two of them were pretty amazing interceptions. They shut down Ezekiel. I mean, and they set up the Packers offense, which is what they did in those first few games before that Eagles game. And, and so, I mean, if the Packers keep winning like this where Aaron Rodgers just plays average, then just wait until he's slightly above average and they're going to be almost unbeatable. It was a it was a weird game for Dak because I actually don't think through all four quarters like on a throw to throw basis I don't think he was terrible it was more just like he was either dropping in dimes or he was getting intercepted and I will defend him for a little bit the first interception uh, it was thrown behind Amari Cooper but Amari Cooper should have caught it it deflects off him Jair Alexander intercepts it his third interception looked like and Mike Pierre even said this on the broadcast that it should have been a flag because the receiver got absolutely mucked in coverage. So I don't think I, I think my takeaway more is the Green Bay defense and the Green Bay running game. I thought Aaron Jones, you know, had that huge breakout game. Uh the reason why a lot of people in fantasy drafted him. It's kind of weird. Like I don't this isn't even I'm not even trying to insult Aaron Rodgers, but it feels like with this version of this Packers team with this defense and with Aaron Jones in a way, he's like a little bit of a game manager, which I actually think in a way suits him late in his career because he is so risk adverse that he's not going to turn the ball over. So like he is actually really good at that game manager role because he's not going to throw the game away and he's still capable of, you know, pulling those great plays. And he had a couple phenomenal plays in this game that looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers, but he also had a couple throws downfield where he missed open guys. So I think this Packers team with this defense and with Aaron Rodgers in that role, I think they are far and away the best team in the NFC North. Well, here's the thing you need to be scared about. Um, insulting Aaron Rodgers is dangerous. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's going to take motivation by, by me saying that. Uh, he takes motivation by a lot, Sean. I would be surprised if actually you're not welcome at the Green Bay facilities anymore after this podcast. I better cancel my trip to Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin. Hey, Debo, go ahead and make a note that uh, whatever point we talked about the Packers, that the social team should, uh, should fire <laughs> Several video where where uh, where game uh, manager game manager Aaron Rodgers Sean calls uh, where Sean calls him a, a game manager. Uh, look, Aaron Rodgers is like Mitchell Trubisky. They're both game managers. That's what Sean is was trying to say. One of them is terrible at it. Yeah, uh, I would say the one thing though, like they're four and one. The defense looks awesome. The running game is really good, and Rodgers hasn't gotten comfortable in the offense, and he was missing his number one weapon. Like I think we should all be scared of the Packers. Because they could be really good. Yeah. I don't know that I trust Matt LaFleur. Um, the, if Rodgers gets going, like if they get, if they get to like 13 and three or something, which is totally possible. Um, and, and Rodgers gets in the playoffs and he's healthy and, and happy and, and all that stuff. I would be extremely concerned. Um, almost as concerned as I was when the lights went out in this room, I'm in, uh, up in Stanford by myself. And in this one other thing about the Cowboys is again, this highlights how it's not Dak. It's not Zeke. Those guys are, it's not Amari. Those guys aren't the MVP of the team. It's their left tackle, Tyron Smith. He was gone and Dak Absolutely. did not look great. And the same thing happened last year. So I mean, this, that's it, the key. I, was it last year? Was last year the Adrian Claiborne game? Yeah, that was the first game he was that Tyron Smith missed. Was it was like all, six sacks. And it's just Dak just gets destroyed. Yeah, I mean, like that. It is. Yeah, the MVP of the Cowboys is. You're right. It's 100. percent I was gonna. I was gonna say that too. But you jumped on it first. Good for you. Um, no, I mean, when Tyron Smith is, if Tyron Smith is missing, you need to downgrade the Cowboys 
Uh, very quickly on, on those two teams, I would point out that Dallas has the Jets next week on the road. That's a pretty good bounce back opportunity, but Sam Darnold should be returning. Uh, and then the Eagles on Sunday night in week seven, in week seven. That is going to be at home. I mean, that is going to be maybe deciding their season. They really need Aaron Smith there for that game. Uh, and then for the Packers, you know, when you, when you start to look ahead at, at what they're going to have to deal with, they have the Lions at home, the Raiders at home, at Chiefs, at Chargers, and Panthers at home. They could rip off some wins here. I mean, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Like th- three and two, I think, would be, they'd be like, yeah, that wasn't that great. Um, so. I'd yeah. be surprised if they don't win the division. Obviously, a lot of football left to play, but at this point, they look like the most complete team in the NFC North by far, I would say. I would and agree. one more thing about the Cowboys is that Sean mentioned earlier how one of the Chiefs Achilles heel could end up being Andy Reid with the Cowboys. As always, it's Jason Garrett. There's always – we need to talk about this, yeah. How about Jason Garrett spiking the challenge flag? That was the most incredible thing I've ever I seen. I watched it probably 50 times, just yeah. laughing my ass off the entire time because it was like he finally broke. This is a guy who, like, we mock for being a robot, and you could see, like, the veins popping, and his tantrum was to take a little red flag and spike it into the ground. And then the ref's reaction was like – I think the ref reacted that way and flagged him. Because we're so not used to watching Jason Garrett show emotion that I think that it's like the reverse of like the like the Shaq effect or like or like the Cleo Mack effect where they don't call holding on him because it's Cleo Mack that he's this great player and it's the opposite with Jason Garrett he never shows emotion so the one time he does it they're like oh my god this guy's attacking me I gotta flag him. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jerry Jones was asked about it after the game. He said, "Well, I hope the little darling didn't hear anything he hadn't heard before." Talking about the official, like he's like obviously very irate about it. But yeah, I mean, I, Jason Garrett is is going to be a problem. I do wonder, Breach, how much uh, how much of like the con- just the way that the game's been managed from a offensive standpoint over the last few games has been Jason Garrett versus Kellen Moore. And I, I would point out too that like when you talk about the the Cowboys, they were three and and0 looking freaking awesome. The offense is destroying people. It's like a Death Star out there. They beat the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. Those are three terrible teams. Uh, and then they've come back to earth a, a whole lot against the, uh, the Saints and, and Packers these last two weeks. So I think we'll find out a lot of, about the Cowboys over the next, uh, fortnight, if you will. Uh, one team that I don't think we need to find out a whole lot about, the Washington Redskins. They were destroyed after giving up a valiant effort, uh, and, 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 and uh, having, I don't know, was it their first lead of the season or were the Patriots trailing for the first time? I can't remember what it was. This but- was the first time all season. The Patriots were trailing. And you know what? Jay Gruden should get to stick around just for that. Give him an extension. That's the best uh, thing that's happened in Washington all season. Those seven points were the only seven points that the Redskins would get on the board. It was scored on a uh, – everybody started uh, – what's his name? Sims? Steven, uh, Steven Sims Jr. Steven Sims Jr. and end around for 65 yards. Uh, the Patriots would, would tie things – no, the Patriots would not tie things up. It was 6-7 to seven after uh, Mike Nugent, the new kicker, missed an extra point. But then the Patriots would tack on uh, a, a five, two field goals and three touchdowns over the remaining course of the game to win 33-7. to seven. I mean, not a whole lot we have to say about this. I, there was a there was some Twitter buzz, and I, there was a Twitter rumor, and I don't want to put too much stock into it, but I love the idea. Yes, Sean? You guys both froze, so I didn't hear anything you said for the last – it's fine. Keep going. You didn't have to say anything. It's fine. So there was some Twitter. Cool. There's there's a Twitter rumor that Jay Gruden went to a bar in Ashburn, and that he's like hanging out drinking beer. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. Wait, did you it's, see? It's the really rumor? dumb. I think it's really did, did you dumb. You see the but... video. 
I saw the videos. No, I think no, it's no, 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 not the ones before the week. No, there's another one about that tonight. Oh like, really? Oh my god! And, and then, then, then he got a call, and, he's, and it was, but it was like, I swear, like I don't know, I'm not saying this is verifiable at all, but it would not be like the most surprising thing in the world. But it was a call. It was like Dan Snyder letting him know that he'd been relieved of his duties, and he was like, had to leave the bar, and I like, told everybody there that he, I, like I don't think it's true. I think that would be a terrible way for for the, him to get fired. But I would not be surprised at all if he got fired. I mean, it was just, that place was jam packed full of. Patriots fans. It was a home game for New England. Um, look, Colt McCoy went 18 to 27, but he never played Dwayne Haskins. Terry McLaurin led the team with 51 yards. I mean, they, they just couldn't do anything on offense. It was, it was. Can so- I, this will seem odd, but I, we dunk on the Redskins and Jay Gruden so much that I kind of want to defend Jay Gruden because he is not the problem in Washington. I like, would much rather they- have, if you gave me Jay Gruden and the Cowboys team. Yes. Over like, like versus Jason Garrett, like I would much like Jay Gruden would. Post- you could make an argument that Jay, Jay Gruden is the second best coach in that division. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm saying is that they fire him, it solves absolutely nothing. Um, and I don't know if you saw the reaction. Was it Chris Thompson in the locker room? He like broke down talking about how Jake. They were asking him about Jay Gruden probably getting fired, and he like broke down crying about like how much he loves Jay Gruden as a coach. And I don't think any of this is indicative. The Redskins don't suck. Because of Jake Gruden. They suck because they have a terrible roster. And I just want to say, now that we've seen Kirk Cousins in Washington and there's all this controversy about how he's not that great, you know, his success with Kirk Cousins actually looks a little bit better now. It doesn't look like they underachieved with Kirk Cousins anymore. It looks like they did about what they should have done. And so I think Jake Gruden actually, when he does get fired, I think he's good enough to get another head coaching job. I don't think he should be relegated to have to move to Vegas and work on his brother's staff. <laughs> By the way, Jay Gruden was asked about uh, his job status after the game. He said, if the key works Monday, I'll keep working. I actually love his attitude, too. He's like, he knows he's a dead man walking, and I just love that he's just like, whatever. Like, I love that he's like, he's like, listen, I'm not playing this Haskins kid. I don't care what you say. I'm playing my guy Colt. I'm going down with the ship. I don't give a bleep. Uh, I do want, look. If they fire him before he gets a chance to go beat the Dolphins, that is an a-hole move. You let him coach against the Dolphins. You let him travel to Miami and try to get a win against the Dolphins. Because I got to tell you, the uh, the Dolphins, the the Patriots are, are big favorites. I mean, the, the Patriots, the uh, the Redskins are five and a half point favorites, or three and a half point favorites now, I believe. Uh, it actually came down because a bunch of people hammered Miami early. Um, right, and a- if he loses that game, it's the perfect reason to fire him then because he couldn't beat the Dolphins. A hundred percent. I mean, or just right out the season because you don't have anything going for you. Uh, they have the Dolphins on the road, 49ers at home, at Vikings, at Bills. Uh, I don't think we learned anything about the, the Patriots. They are, um, they are 16 point favorites. Oh, look, uh, I you know why we didn't learn anything about the Patriots. Let me give you this fantastic quote from Adrian Peterson because the Patriots apparently did not try at all in this game because they had a Thursday game. They decided we're just going to let the Redskins beat themselves and we're just going to sit on the field. Here is Adrian Peterson's quote, quote, they showed a lot of exotic stuff on film, but against us, they didn't really show it. You know, it was like, hey, we'll sit back here and see what you guys do. Allow you guys to mess up in <laughs> quote. So Adrian Peterson basically said that the Patriots just sat out there, ran a vanilla defense, and let the Redskins shoot themselves in the foot. That is so – that is the most insulting thing you can do. Is <laughs> the, the, the last thing I want to say about the Redskins, 
there is one reason to fire Jay Gruden in the middle of the season. You know who is on their coaching staff? Jim Tomsula and Rob Ryan. I want to see one of those guys be interim coach at the end of the year. Give them another shot. I'm, that's Co-coaches. why I'm all for finding co-coaches. Yes. Let's uh, get Jim Tomsula a job again. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. By the way, Patriots, I told, uh, I told people before, uh, last Sunday to take the Patriots under at 46. I hope you got it in early. It's 44 and a half for the Giants on Thursday night. I would highly recommend you take that now. I bet it gets down to 42 or 41. I think that'll probably be an under game as well. I took the Patriots at minus 14 when it jumped out, uh, and it's up to 16. And a half. My goodness, that is a big line in New England against Danny Dimes. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll rip through the rest of the NFL games. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. More NFL chatter. Let's see what's up next for us. The Panthers. Oh, yeah, baby. This game that tore at my heartstrings. The very fabric of my soul was in question. Who to root for? Gardner Minshew, my man Minshew, or... Kyle Allen and my Carolina Panthers, who uh, I have, uh, I have a win total on at, uh, what I have, seven and a half. And they're at three now. They're surprising everybody. Christian McCaffrey. Woo! Your MVP? Uh, he would be my MVP right now, I think. Yeah. Is that insane? Oh, I was just saying that you picked him to win MVP in our and, quarterly awards. And you definitely sound I, less crazy than you did five days ago. I didn't pick him to win. I said he's the MVP four weeks in. It's, that's a different. Sure. Oh, I, I thought it was predicting who's going to win the MVP. Uh, no. Um, so I'm going to have to read, read the story. But I think which one is it, Sean? You wrote the story. You know what? It actually occurred to me as I was putting the story together. That what? That that we never made it clear. That he just, <laughs> it should be the quarter poll MVP. Uh, anyway, McCaffrey. Ran for uh, an inside process into the uh, editorial process here at CBS Sports. (laughs) McCaffrey was incredible. He is now the league leader. It's going to be ironic when he destroys my Dalvin Cook, my Dalvin Cook. (laughs) Um, He's lead the league in in, in 500. Can you hear that noise? Okay, good. Uh, 587 yards total after he ran for 
176 rushing yards, including an 84-yard incredible touchdown run. He had two of them on the day. Reggie Bonifant, by the way, five carries for 80 yards. He had a 59-yard touchdown run. There would have been McCaffrey, but McCaffrey was a little banged up. That should be concerning. Six catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. Incredible effort against a Jaguars team that simply would not go away. Carolina wins 34-27. My parents are actually at the game, and um, DJ Chark, Eight catches, 164 yards. D.J. Westbrook, seven catches, 82 yards. Gardner Minshew, I thought, played pretty well, all things considered. He was under fire. This Panthers defense, I, I'm going to tell you, I was right about it. The Panthers defense is awesome. And uh, Brian Burns making a very good case for defensive rookie of the year already. Uh, how far, Sean, can this Panthers team go? Here's the problem, is that the Saints weren't supposed to go 3-0 and without uh, without Drew Brees, and they have gone 3-0. and And if you would have said that the Panthers would go undefeated with Kyle Allen, I think you would have assumed this is a new favorite in the NFC South. I still think the way they're playing right now with Kyle Allen and, look, if Cam comes back healthy, and I still think you put him in, it, assuming he's completely healthy, I think they're a wild card team. Uh, because I think you look across the NFC, there's a lot of teams like the Bears and the Vikings that are, you know, not bad. But they don't scream, you know, 11 and 5 good. And so I think this playoff race for the wild card spot is actually going to get really interesting with the 9 or 10 win teams. And Kyle Allen right now, I mean, give him, just like Gardner Minshew, I mean, this was the backup quarterback bowl. It was the over, it wasn't the typical backup quarterback bowl that we're used to where it's unwatchable. These guys are good enough. And, um, I mean, they're good enough to the point where as a Bears fan, I'm like, oh man, like if only we had Gardner Minshew, like I would love that. And so <laughs> I think both of these teams, my takeaway is that the NFC South and the AFC South, while I don't think either of them necessarily have powerhouses, I think they are incredibly fun divisions because all these teams are so wildly unpredictable and they're all so competitive. Like we talked about last week, how all these teams in the AFC South had a point differential of zero that I think there's these two divisions, the two South divisions are so much fun because I can't figure out who's going to win them. And every single week, it seems like it's a close game with all these teams. Yeah. I mean, speaking of AFC South week one, I think the Jags are going to win the division. And I feel like this is a weekly conversation I have with myself, but on this podcast is I literally flip on and off Jacksonville winning the bandwagon, winning the division bandwagon every single week. And now here we are again where I'm off it because I just watched Deshaun Watson throw five touchdowns. I watched the Colts beat the Chiefs and I watched Garner Minshew's mustache magic just evaporate. I mean, Brenton, I know you said he played okay, but here's my problem, is he fumbled three times. You cannot fumble three times in the game. You have to have better ball security in that. One of those was returned for a touchdown, and he cost them the game. I know that he has won big games for them. Nobody expected him to walk in there and beat the Titans or beat the Broncos on the road. But to go in there and lose three fumbles, if you're a third-string, four-string quarterback, it's, that's just inexcusable. After that, you've got to go with ball security. you got to hold the ball tighter. you got to know that you're going to be taking hits like he was. You can't fumble the ball three times. So, uh, you know, it's that's this one's on mission. So you're, so you're off the Jags. I am for this week. <laughs> we got to have, like, a recurring segment with, like, a sound effect. It's breach on or off the Jags. I would, I would blame the defense more than I would blame Gardner Minshew. I mean, they could, I mean he – I mean, he was – I thought he was pretty – I mean, he wasn't great or anything, but he was going up against a really tough defense. I get the fumbles is a problem, but, I mean, like, if you're Jacksonville and you're supposed to be this badass defense, you can't give up – do you uh, do you know how many yards, without looking, how many yards per play the Panthers averaged? Probably a lot. 7.3. Rushing. Do you, do you know? 
I do know. How many yards per carry the Panthers average as a team? Ten, I, can't, I already have it open, so I can't. 10.6. All right, now, you, you blame the Jags defense. I'm blaming the, let's see, in the first 20 minutes of the game, we had the fumble return for a touchdown. Then we had a Minshew fumble that set up the Panthers in a short field. They drove 24 yards and scored another touchdown. So literally, before uh, 10 minutes left in the second quarter, they had scored two touchdowns with 24 offensive yards, which put Jacksonville in a 21-7 hole. So, I mean, once you're in that 21-7 hole. There will be no slander of Gardner Minshew on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, if you guys caught the end of this game. It was hilarious because the Jags kept taking Hail Marys, and all of them like weren't even coming close, but there was always there was like an offside. There was uh, a hands to the face. Holding, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it was just appearance. It was like the Panthers was like, were having so much fun out there. They just didn't want the game to end. It was like, come on, guys. And also Luke Keekley at the end, intercept that pass, man. Pad your stats, man. You're having a great year. He just bats it down. Pick that off. There's no one around him. He, like, gleefully batted it down. Yeah, I think it was because he was so pissed off that they went three times. It was like a frustration, like rejection. I mean, Minshew had much better stats than than Kyle Allen. I mean. Yeah. Well, and just real quick, the Panthers got two touchdowns in three minutes because of Minshew. Also, I what I do love about this McCaffrey game, because he was far and away, um, I think you could make the case, just the best player across the NFL in this week. And he did it against the Jags, a team that didn't just draft Leonard Fournette over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. They decided they needed a running back. So what did they do? They took Leonard Fournette instead of Christian McCaffrey. Because if they take McCaffrey there, we're not criticizing them nearly as much. We're still criticizing them probably, but not nearly as much. Because the fact is, they shouldn't have taken a running back, but they did. And they took the wrong running back. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, Talk about revenge games. This is a... Yeah, no, that's a great... Yeah, this is a good... Ooh, that's it. There are a lot of revenge games. From the slate this week. By the way, um, oh crap, what was I going to say? Oh, my dad, uh, my dad texted me and said, um, he goes, Heath, Jamie, and Dave, the three Mouseketeers, they are terrible at fantasy advice. They told me to sit DJ Chark, and I did. I'm never listening to them again. Thanks, Dad. Uh, I did not sit DJ Chark, and I beat Dude. Ouch. DJ Chark, 164 yards and two catches. Two DJ Chark, do, 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 do. Good job, Breach. Uh, let's move on to the Saints-Buccaneers game elsewhere in the NFC South. Uh, your mans, uh, everybody wanted the Bucs here. I mean, everybody thought the Bucs were going to go in there and take care of business with the Saints. Let me tell you something, guys. The Saints don't lose, and they don't – they cover. They are covering machines in October. Fun fact, the last time the New Orleans Saints – Failed to cover the spread in an October NFL game was October 11th, 2015. That's a great fun fact. Are you kidding me? That was my first season at CBS. 2015. They well, have- our, our listeners would have known that if they read my early odds from last week. Nobody- Ooh, this is what Prince had read it. That's why he's saying it. No, I just looked it up right now. I didn't read that. They've been right. someone, someone posted it on Reddit for Breach's article, and that's where he saw it. I gotta, come on. Ryan would be saying this. I gotta do it in tribute to Ryan. Where's Ryan, where's Ryan when you need him to criticize my fun fact? I can't wait to steal that, Brinson. Uh, anyway, the, the Saints are October covering machines. I got a few more games left in October. Uh, look, I, you gotta hand it. This defense is really good. It's an elite level type of defense. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was actually 
uh, in the million maker lineup on DraftKings. Somebody stacked Teddy Bridgewater and Michael Thomas and won a million dollars because nobody wanted to play Teddy freaking Bridgewater this week. He had 131.2 quarterback rating, 26 of 34, 314 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, including a strike to Ted Ginn, one throw to Jared Cook. And Michael Thomas finished with 11 catches for 182 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the, the Buccaneers vaunted defense was annihilated by the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater in this one. Uh, what do you take away from this breach in terms of, um, actually, you know what? I'll let Sean do it because it's a Jameis Winston type of situation. Did, was uh, this... I was gonna, I was gonna talk about the Saints, but okay. Well, go ahead. Do whatever you want. Oh, I just, I said this. I think last week or two weeks ago, but like now it's fully coming to fruition. Like what a great decision Bridgewater made not going to Miami where he would have been a sacrificial lamb this year and people would have been writing off his viability as a starting quarterback. The first couple weeks where he stepped in for Drew Brees, we saw a very conservative game plan where it was really tough to say if he was playing well or not because he was just dumping the ball off. They were leaving, leaning on their run game and whatnot. And they opened it up this week a bit more. If you look at his next gen uh, stats passing chart, you can see he went 4-4 roughly on passes, uh, 20 yards downfield, one of which was a touchdown. And, look, the crowd was chanting Teddy multiple times. I mean, I think this is one of the most feel-good stories of the year by far because we didn't think he was going to play at all, and we thought it was going to be – look. Say what you want, and I know he had always had the potential, but you spend another year as a backup. I think you kind of get typecast as as a backup, you know, kind of like an actor who gets the same roles over and over again. It's like Sean Bean who always plays a character who dies. Uh, so I think th- this is just one of – excuse me, where look, Sean Bean, he always dies. Died in Lord of the Rings. But you were talking in- – you were like the guy who always dies. No, Sean it? Bean dies in Lord of the Rings, dies in Game of Thrones. Even in The Martian, he gets fired like when no one else like dies or gets fired in that movie. So – I think this Teddy Bridgewater thing is one of the best stories of the year. The other thing I was going to say is that as a Michael Thomas fantasy owner, I was a little bit worried when Breeze went down about his production. I think this game shows that he's pretty much quarterback proof uh, because he was incredible, um, and he's been pretty good even without Breeze. I don't think anyone needs to worry about him. Would you like to applaud me for telling people to buy low on Michael Thomas? I would not like to applaud you. Why? Because then it's loud, and my it's already late. We're recording this later than normal, and then my neighbor might get mad that I'm clapping alone in my apartment. So it's one forty-five in the morning. It's really late. Uh, Breach, buy or sell the? Because like I feel like Breach, you were sort of on the Buccaneers bandwagon last week, and now you're probably off of it. Is that accurate? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Breach. It's it's all the Florida teams. I'm just on and off their bandwagon. Uh, you know the thing was, I picked the Buccaneers to win. It was more because I thought. The Buccaneers were going to spend all their time shutting down Alvin Kamara and saying, daring Teddy Bridgewater to beat them. That's what they did. And Bridgewater just punched him in the face. Like, this was the last thing I expected to see was for Teddy to throw for 314 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he went off. I didn't think after watching him play back up and missing, what, two years, I don't think any of us thought that he was going to be able to carry the load. And that's why there was this huge question mark when Drew Brees went down. Is Teddy Bridgewater still any good? I think he's proved over the last three weeks that he is, and I don't necessarily jump off the Buccaneers' bandwagon because I didn't think they looked horrible. I mean, they're playing in New Orleans after just playing a road game in Los Angeles. Uh, I still think they can contend in this division, but obviously this game they have coming up Sunday in London against the Panthers. If they lose that, then I'm off. Couple two notes I have that about the Saints that was impressive. Marshawn Lattimore I think pretty much shadowed Mike Evans. Didn't allow a catch. Uh, 
he was obviously incredible shutdown. And the other thing I was really impressed with was, look, Bridgewater played great, but if you go watch that game, the Saints offensive line completely manhandled, I thought, uh, the Bucks up front. We were talking about, you know, Shaq Barrett, all of us in that quarterly awards post, whether it was projections or the, the defensive player of the year through the first four weeks, it was all Shaq Barrett for the most part because Shaq Barrett was on a historic pace for sacks. Shaq Barrett didn't really do much, um, all day. So I thought, the Saints offensive line, that was kind of a theme of the week with the Colts as well and with the Saints. It's if you can protect a quarterback, even if it's a backup, these guys are going to have a lot more success. Um, yeah, and with, with the Buccaneers, too, is their run defense is supposed to be pretty good. Um, I just think they're going to be hit or miss. By the way, uh, Marshawn Lattimore locked down Mike Evans, locked him down. Zero receptions on just two targets. Uh, Lattimore shattered him all over the field uh, per next stats. <laughs> Did you want to say this? Yeah, I mean, keep going. Buddy. Well, not, not, he didn't, he didn't already say it. That's literally what he just said uh, right went, before you started talking. If you guys were wondering what Brenton was doing, he was trimming his beard and had taken his headphones off and he was uh, admiring his beard. No, tell, teach me more about how, what did Mike Evans do? Zero catches? <laughs> Who was guarding him? Hey, how many snaps did he, did he shadow him on? Oh, you got He was on it for 43 of Evans' 53 snaps. We're reading the exact same tweet from Next Gen Stats. We both dropped in Slack, and I just, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Ron Burgundy. I'm not just read anything Diva says in Slack. I'm dead serious. Um, <laughs> go on. Uh, so John, what do you think about the Buccaneers? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's talk about the Falcons game. The Falcons got, oh my goodness. Falcons got humiliated. By the way, Breach, you uh you were the only one who predicted the Packers over the over the uh the 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 Cowboys and you went eight and six straight up. Uh, I have some bad news about your against the spread picks though. Oh my Owen fifteen. Three and eleven. So that's it hurts. Owen fifteen would actually be impressive. Ryan Wilson did that one year, I think. Uh, I well, think Dubin did it once, too. Dubin was like, what are the odds of this actually happening? It's actually impressive. Very low, yeah. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons lose in Houston to the Texans 53-32. to Woo! Uh, that was a big game from Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller. I made a real ass of myself at the Connecticut office here, freaking out because I had Fuller and Watson in a DFS stack, running around screaming. I was screaming, let's get rich! Um, and then I ended up winning $20, so that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> I was going to win a million dollars. I'll pay for your Uber to the airport. Yeah, I won like 60 bucks. Um, so uh, Carlos Hyde ran okay, but it was Watson and Fuller. DeAndre Hopkins set matches on eight targets for 88 yards. Will Fuller, uh, just the fourth player in NFL history with 14 catches, 200 yards, and three or more touchdowns. And Deshaun Watson, the first player in NFL history with 400 passing yards, five passing, five touchdowns and less than five or less interceptions. Uh, incredible game from them. I think though, Sean, the, the probably the big takeaway here is that Dan Quinn is, uh, gonna get canned. Yeah. And I'm, I'm working on a hot seat power rankings and look, if Jay Gruden wasn't already, you know, pretty much fired dead man walking, I think Dan Quinn would be, uh, number one because I'm really disappointed in them because I either picked them to win the division. I definitely picked them to win, make the playoffs. And they are not playing. It's not, it's not a Jay Gruden Redskins situation where no one will win with this roster. This is a talented roster. Um, and Dan, uh, Dan Quinn is supposed to be a defensive coach and they can't tackle. 
I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways I have watching them every week is they are so bad at tackling. Yeah. Um, and one note about the Will Fuller, he actually should have had one or two more touchdowns. At least one time he got tackled on like the half inch yard line. Super um, right. So yeah, I mean, it's a disappointing, the AFC South, like I said, is, is, it's a really intriguing division and I picked them before the season despite Deshaun Watson's offensive line problems, which by the way, no sacks for the Texans. The offensive line like, is getting a lot better. It's getting, and, it's, it's getting a lot better. The Laramie Tunsil, like, like we ripped Bill O'Brien on here. You gotta give him credit. He, I don't know if he fixed it, but they're playing a lot better. The Panthers were just awesome last week on defense. Like, I think the Texans, if Watson plays 16 games, they're probably the favorite. Over yeah. the Colts. That's why I picked them too, but just because they have the best quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Watson is special when he, when he plays. Um, one thing on the, on the, on the Falcons, I would point out, and I said this at, the, at draft time and I, we all kind of agreed on it. It's like, Hey, it's cool that you went out and got two offensive linemen in the first round. Uh, but your defense sucks. And this is a great defensive draft from like 32 to 75. And you guys didn't add anybody. They had no second round pick. I can't, they might, might have only had like one third round pick. And, you know, it hadn't worked out with Lindstrom and, uh, and Caleb McGarry yet in terms of getting production on the offensive line. Matt Ryan's consistently pressured. I mean, they could have had Brian Burns instead of Lindstrom, who is balling yeah. out for the Panthers. He was yes. taking two picks after Lindstrom. Yes, well, I mean, Lindstrom, look, I, I don't want to dog the guy because he's hurt, but like, if they had Brian Burns, they would be a much better defense. And it was so, it was, there was so much hubris involved from not just Dan Quinn, but also I think Thomas Dimitrov, uh, you know, with the fact that they said, they're like, our defense is going to be, we're going to, they basically banked on their defense being healthy by virtue of luck. And that's a, that is, that is, hope is not a good, hope is a bad plan, you know? Like you can't just hope your defense is going to be better because you're healthy. Like that doesn't always happen, and they lost Keanu Neal now, and I just don't see a way out for this team. They have uh, coming up. The Falcons have uh, one more road game, I believe. I'm looking it up as we speak, googling on the podcast as well. Uh, they're at the Cardinals next week. By the way, that total for uh, for the for the gamblers out there, the betting the betting people is 50. Go take it now before it climbs up. It's going to be 55 before it before it closes. Um, and uh, then they have the Rams and Seahawks at home. And I think, Breach, if they get embarrassed by the Rams and Seahawks, Dan Quinn gets fired on the bye week in week nine. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. And you guys have been talking about how bad the defense is. And to kind of put that in perspective, they gave up 592 yards, which was the third most the Falcons have ever given up in franchise history. And the other part of this that was the most mind-boggling thing of their entire defensive performance and how pathetic it was, they did not hit Deshaun Watson, not even sack. They got zero sacks and zero hits on the quarterback. This is a guy where me, you, and Sean could line up. For an entire game and probably get a sack on the quarterback. Deshaun Watson had been sacked 18 times for the first four weeks of the season. That is four and a half sacks per game the Texans were giving up. I mean, anybody could get through the Texans offensive line. The Falcons could not. They could not do anything. They didn't put any pressure on Deshaun Watson. It was, it was hard to watch. I felt bad for the Falcons. Uh, but they need to do something. And if firing Dan Quinn is what it, there's gotta be some sort of change in there because what if you cannot get pressure on the most pressured quarterback in the NFL? That's a problem. And they've got a former head coach on their staff that they could very easily turn it over to in the interim. Yeah, Dirk Cutter, who was just fired last year. Um, 
I pointed that out to Pete Prisco, who's, you know, has always known the, you know, he knows Cutter pretty well and, and knows the Falcons. Um, and he, he actually said he didn't think the Cutter would, that they would turn to Cutters, which is interesting. Oh. I, I was surprised by that too. I, I just think if they get blasted by the Rams and Seahawks, at home, like Arthur Blank is getting embarrassed right now. He was embarrassed last year at the Super Bowl by the team, you know, not even being in contention to try and make it there. Uh, and he's, is, you know, you lose by, you lose, you give up 53 points and your coach is a defensive minded guy. After you fired the entire coaching staff in the offseason, which is the last step to firing the coach. And I think Thomas Dimitrov is probably in a bit of trouble too. Uh, Baltimore, oh yeah, uh, anyway, Houston's good. We think Houston can win the division. It'll probably be them or the Colts, but you know who knows. Uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Oh man, what could have been for the Pittsburgh Steelers? One and four now after they lose twenty six to twenty three in overtime. Um, the Ravens are three and two. Maybe all for the scary injury. But before we get to that, and Del- Devin Hodges from Samford breach. Uh, would you were you watching what Mike Tomlin did in overtime? Uh, overtime, he decided to not get the ball first. He won the coin flip and deferred in overtime. Well, what's There's wrong with some that? T- that? No, I actually, I, I, but yeah. that's, I, I like that decision. This isn't, this isn't sudden death where the other team scores first, it's over. It is, you're statistically giving yourself, you're assuming your defense is good and the Steelers did do a good job against the Ravens. And so if you hold the Ravens to a field goal or if you just stop them outright, so let's just say, Real quick, if you stop them outright, all you need is a field goal to win. If you hold them to a field goal, it changes your offensive philosophy because now you're going for it on all four downs on the entire drive. So you basically have an extra down because you have to score at least a field goal. So that opens up – that gives you a better opportunity to move the ball if you have four plays at your disposal every time because you're not going to punt if you're down three points in overtime, right? And you also have your third-string quarterback. And you don't want to put him in a spot where he might throw an interception. It's a high-pressure situation. And then, you know, the only way you lose is if the Ravens score a touchdown, and they didn't score a touchdown. And I thought at that point the Steelers' defense was playing well enough that that probably was the best option. This isn't like the Detroit Lions one where uh, they kicked off because the wind was bad or something, and then back when it was sudden death and a field goal, you know, a team only had to get 20 yards in sudden death to get in field goal range and win. I don't know. I, I liked it. I was okay. I don't, with think, I don't think Brinson approves. Look at his face. I can't right. wait. I can't wait for Brinson to tear Mike Tomlin apart. That's what his face says. Do it. I'm, I'm trying to find the. I'm trying to find audio of the quote. Did you hear Mike Tomlin's quote about the cart? <laughs> it was uh, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, let me see if I can play it. Diva, let me know if this plays or not. Let's see. Somebody that's in charge of that. I don't drive carts and things of that nature. <laughs> things of that nature. That's like the fake Stephen A. tweet yeah, about like, Crab like, Rangoon. Things of that. Ah, yes, yes. He's like he said, and things of that nature. <laughs> like, I nearly fell out of my chair on the desk when I heard that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about carts and things of that nature. Um, he also, uh, when asked about the. Uh, about why he did it, by the way, why they, why they deferred in overtime. He said, man, did you see our kickoff return team this game? Did you see their kickoff return team? Every time they put the ball on about the two-yard line and Tucker hung the ball in about 4.5 seconds, we couldn't get back to the 15. Why would I sign up for that? So that's actually like that's actually not a terrible reason. And the Ravens went three plays negative four yards. So the decision <laughs> worked. Yeah, and the, yeah, so, yeah, that's all right. all right. I'll give it to you. Um, this is a, br- a brutal loss for the Steelers, though, because if they steal this game two and three – 
The Ravens are two and three. The Browns are on the road on Monday night as a five point dog. And like the Steelers are kind of right back in the division with a game against the Chargers before they're by and then the Dolphins. And instead, Mason Rudolph's in the concussion protocol is going to be tough. You know, the cart didn't work. It ran out of battery. So they were trying to push it. Then they had to get him off the cart and take him out of there. There's a whole mess, a scary injury, of course. It's hard not to look at the Steelers season and think that it's not over now. Yeah, they're done. Okay. I mean, I think even if they win this game, yes, they're still in it. I, I mean, I really think this is all setting up for the Browns to, despite how they started, I think they are emerging slowly as the best team in the division because, you know, Breach has pointed out for a couple weeks now, the Ravens really haven't done that much. They beat Ravens up on a, stinks and Lamar they beat up on a terrible Dolphins team. They didn't play that well against Arizona and they won. Um, and they haven't looked good since. It, I don't think there's reason to panic about Lamar because he still started a full less than a full season of games like this in a way is part of his rookie year in a new offense and all that. So I don't want to like I don't want to trash Lamar. I think he still has a good future, but he still kind of looks like a rookie out there and he doesn't have a great defense. They're the AFC version of the Cowboys. We're like, man, this is going to be incredible with Lamar. MVP, MVP for the quarterbacks. Everybody all season long. It's like, oh, no, the Dolphins and the Cardinals are terrible. Um, wow. Lamar, Ask 19- the Bengals about that. Yeah, hold on. We'll get to that in a second. Lamar- uh, uh, well, the Ravens still play the Bengals. They play them twice the next five weeks. So I've got a few gimmies. Ravens in good shape there, yeah. Uh, 19 to 28 for 161 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. They were bad interceptions. Led the team in rushing too. I think that's part of the problem as well. The, the Ravens have really gotten away from, uh, using Mark Ingram as sort of their feature back. And then, look, Mason Rudolph played pretty well. Juju Smith-Schuster, seven catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then he got hurt. We'll see what happens with that. But, look, the Ravens had to win this game. And the Steelers had to try to try to, try to salvage a season. It just didn't happen, and now it is uh, it is probably toast. Speaking of the Bengals, and real quick, Juju had a crucial fumble in overtime. Tomlin's decision to take to flip the thing and give the Ravens the ball first would have paid off, uh, but Juju fumbled it. The Ravens recovered it and went down and kicked the game-winning field goal. Oh, yeah, good. Um, Bengals lose twenty-six to twenty-three. They fall to zero and five. I feel like the 23 is doing a disservice to how terrible Andy Dalton was because Breach, like, man, he, I, I'm not, we're not trying to beat up on you here, buddy. <laughs> he had 20, he had 25 passing yards at halftime against the Cardinals. I mean, how? How's that? averaging like two yards, 2.4 yards per attempt. Or how something. is that impossible? Okay. Well, let me first say that I believe he had 22 yards, not 25. I was trying to get a record show. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. And he, this was a really weird game. We didn't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, but Dalton was 4 of 10 for 22 yards at halftime. And the Cardinals were putting up yards left and right, but it didn't feel like they were, if that makes sense. I know they've been having trouble in the red zone. Cliff Kingsbury's kicking field goals. He's doing, he, he's, you know, he's got the risque offense without the risque play calling in the red zone. And, the Cardinals end up putting over 500 yards of offense. I was really impressed with Kyler Murray. Uh, he, you he was the whole game. I mean, I watched a lot of it. Ah, why? This was two two winless teams. I want to know who's going to get the it's first the one. Bengals, I, man, he's a loyal Bengals. Fan, I, I am going to be honest though. I so the Cardinals went up 23 to nine in 
the fourth quarter, I believe. I don't know. So they went up 23 to nine in the second half. And at that point, I was like, three to nine with 721 left in the fourth in the game. It was over. right, right. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I turned it off. I was like, Oh, I got other games to watch. I've got other stuff I got to do. I am not paying attention to this because Andy Dalton had 22 yards at halftime. There's no way the Bengals are coming back from 23 to nine with seven and a half minutes left. All of a sudden I get one of those notifications on my phone that says it's 23 to 23 with at the two minute warning. And I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. What? hold on. Sorry. So you get notifications when the Bengals score or something like that. I so you, how many times have you checked your phone to be like, why isn't this working? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the best part is, is he's like, just submitted to turning off the game and not watching. And he, as soon as the Bengals tie the game, he drops into Slack. Never count out Andy Dalto in caps. <laughs> okay, honestly, it was Dalton was my fantasy quarterback this week, and that's what the notification was from because he threw a touchdown past the tie of the game. Uh I don't even want to admit to getting Bengals notifications on my phone. That would be that'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but so yeah, so I mean, they came back and it was a classic for watching two winless teams. It wasn't horrible. I, I thought Kyler Murray looked good. I thought Andy Dalton had a really good second half. But again, if you're the Bengals, you know Jason Lockenford reporting that teams are interested in trading for AJ Green, and they should just do it. Have a fire sale, get rid of everyone. They have no idea where they're going. Like you're zero and five, but they actually have. More talent, you know, I was arguing with Sean about last week about tiers. They have more talent than the Dolphins. So they could be three and two. They've been in three of their five games. So it's kind of crazy to just watch this team fall apart. But you're own five. You're not going anywhere. Trade everyone. Fire sale. Goodbye. How do you feel about the bet? Because he's on pace for 4,500 yards roughly. And that is plummeting week by week. Sean, I know what he's on pace for. I follow, I follow sports. What do you mean? How do you feel about the bet? It's dead, Sean. What is the matter with you? Well, I would like Breach wouldn't admit it last week. I would like for him to admit it. I mean, Breach, I, it's time for you just to wear a Mitchell Trubisky sticker for the rest of the season. I am not admitting it until Andy Dalton has always – Andy Dalton had no one to throw to. John Ross wasn't there. We already knew A.J. Green's out. So he's thrown to Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate. Nobody outside of fantasy football had heard of Auden Tate before three weeks ago, unless you're a Bengals fan. So, like, he's got no one to throw to. I'll give you this breach. I'll give you this breach. Is that through the first half with Chase Daniel looking terrible, I actually tweeted, and I was in, I think Robert Mays of the Ringer was tweeting it, like, we would take Andy Dalton for a late pick on the Bears. Absolutely. Saying, like, if you're the Bengals, why wouldn't you call the Bears and be like, listen, we'll give us a third round pick for Andy Dalton? The Bears. Sign me up. I mean, the Bears can so win this the defense. Bowl. We're in the middle. We're in the middle of the Super Bowl window. I think higher second yeah. round pick minimum. At least probably first. No, man. <laughs> you do a first and a third for AJ Green and Andy Dalton. No. You would not do that. Are you effing insane? Both the guys aren't going to be on the team next year, Breach. Yeah, they're cutting Andy Dalton next year, man. They're cutting Andy Dalton this offseason. He's gone. It's over. Dream- but Andy Dalton has a team-friendly contract. If you're really desperate uh, like yeah. the Bears. You're, just, you're lying on the train tracks, and you already got hit by the train, and you're like, oh, wonder. You're going to have a pick oh, to take a quarterback like- if you want one. Yeah, you're drafting a new quarterback. Andy Dalton, it's over. It's dead. <laughs> it, it's finished. <laughs> this Bengals conversation started with, like, we're not trying to be mean to you, Bridge. Like, we'll go easy. And it's now, like, I mean, Princeton just- delivering the news. An intervention here. Like, <laughs> tell this guy. This. It's I, not I, over. The 
They can still go 11 and 5 and win the division and just wait till they get AJ Green back. Everything's going to change. I said this before the year. This reminds me so much of the final, like, Jay Cutler year and how I was in denial about it. I was like, now, like, with the right breaks, like, Cutler has a couple more years left. Build, draft an offensive lineman, build the team around him. This is just such mirrored. Like, they get the Ravens, Ravens, Jaguars, and Rams over the next three weeks. They're going to be 0 and 8. Maybe they beat the Jaguars at home, but they're probably going to be 0 and 8. It doesn't make any sense for AJ Green to rush back. Just trade him. Jason Lockenfor says that they could possibly get a first round pick. You have to do that. That's a no brainer. There, there's some buzz that AJ Green is like loves how Larry Fitzgerald played his. Larry Fitzgerald is, is his mentor. Loves how he played his whole career in Arizona and doesn't want to. No, don't that, do that. That's, that's from an athletic story. He had a quote, and let me just say that also. That was completely in contradiction of a quote he had during the offseason, which was basically, uh, I'm out of here. Yeah, you can't pay him. It's, 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 the, the Bengals shouldn't pay him because they're not in a position to win are the now. Bengals, are the Bengals in the same group, and Beach should deny this last week, are the Bengals in the same group as the Dolphins and Redskins? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not denying the, it. They played five games. They could be three and two. They, they, they could have the Bills. But I'm saying the Dolphins have gotten blown out. The Dolphins have not covered the spread. They've been double-digit underdogs in every single game. Haven't covered a single spread. They've gotten blown out of the water every single time. The Bengals have played three competitive games they should have won. There's a completely different dynamic. They're not in the same tier as the Dolphins. Don't say it. There all, right. all right. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. They're in the same tier as the Jets, which is like <laughs> – What about the Redskins? The Redskins are in the same tier as the Dolphins. Okay. I'll take that. Dolphins, I mean, I, I just group all these winless teams together because just they're, to throw they're, all, they're all suck. Like, yeah, uh, I think you probably throw the Giants in there. Oh, speaking of the Jets, I mentioned the Jets. We'll just talk about them. Jets and Eagles, a total bloodbath. I mean, this is a this is a joke from start to finish. There was no possibility. Uh, though the Eagles were up only up fourteen nothing and were getting booed by their fans, which was a little odd. They won thirty one to six. Uh, Jordan Howard rushed 13 times for 62 yards and one touchdown. Miles Sanders, nine carries, 15 yards, getting a little phased out. Zach Ertz caught a touchdown. Carson went 17 to 29, a buck 89 and a touchdown. And poor, poor, helpless Luke Falk. He had, he literally got his lunch money stolen by Did you Sanders. see the Mike Garofalo report before the game? Uh, about the, how they gave yes, all the reps they in all practice. The first team, it's and so you, the quote that they give, they gave the Luke Garofalo was like Luke Fox saying like this would like kill any other no, man, but he, not he, me. He said, he said this. He he's like someone close to Luke Falk told me that he said this would break a lesser man, but not me. <laughs> like this would break a lesser man. And then I like then I like bet on the Jets. Like what? Like like that should have been an immediate like auto slam the Eagles and, and bet on the Eagles. I mean, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, the Jets are 0-4. They're one of the worst teams in football. I'm not sure they should. They did the right thing not bringing Sam Darnold back. Um, not the right thing by treating him as a starter all week, though. That was stupid, yeah. And they should not bring him back uh, this year. The Le'Veon Bell signing is looking like an utter disaster. He's running hard, but 15 carries, 43 yards. Uh, Demarius Thomas paved the way with 47 receiving yards. The, uh, the, this, is a, this is a better team just – out muscling a, a terrible team. Um, Eagles first team in NFL history with ten or more sacks and two defensive touchdowns in the same game. That would have been a fun fact. Um, Orlando Scandrick joined Rondé Barber, Captain Munderland, and Antoine Winfield as the only defensive backs with at least two sacks and a touchdown in a single game since nineteen eighty two when the sacks became an official statistic. Uh 
yeah, you know, we don't need to talk about this game anymore, right? Um, moving along, Giants, the other New York team, the Giants and the Vikings. This was a squeaky wheel game and then some. Adam Thielen complaining all week about it, you know, demanded public apology from Kirk Cousins. Cousins feeds Thielen, and Thielen had a big game. That was a stack I was eyeing. I told people to stack that in DFS, right, on the podcast. Didn't I say that? Cousins, 22 of 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns. Thielen, seven catches, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Stephon Diggs, three catches, 44 yards. Could have been more. Had some P.I. stuff. Uh, Dalvin Cook actually had six targets, six catches, 86 yards, and ran 21 times for 132 yards, 28 to 10 with a final. I watched this game with a bunch of Giants fans. Um, Robert, sorry. Well, Robert Sherry and, uh, and Scott Riley, two of our producers up here in Connecticut, and, like, I got to tell you, I, mean, I don't know if these guys listen to podcasts. If they do, they were awesome to work with. I love them. They're good dudes. Um, I feel bad for Giants fans, though. They were, like, they were like, all right, they were like down 15 with, like, seven minutes left. They were like, we just got to get a score here, and it'll be fine. It's like, you guys are not winning this game. <laughs> At one point, Riley, like, parlayed the Giants money line with the Buccaneers money line. I was like, what are you <laughs> setting cash on fire, bro? Like, what are you doing? Um Danny Dimes, 21 of 38, 180 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had some nice plays, but he was clearly overwhelmed against a good defense. And that is why, uh, if you could find the Patriots minus 14, you should take the Patriots because they're going to, they're going to destroy the Giants. Absolutely destroy them. And we see what Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks. And with the Vikings Giants game, this is a classic. Kirk Cousins game. They play a bad team. What's going to happen? Kirk's going to light them up and they're going to win by a lot. And, and that's, that happens every time. I don't think anyone was surprised by anything that happened in this game. There was no way that the Giants were going to go in and, and light up the Vikings defense and they didn't. And, uh, you know, we, we also see what happens when Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs threaten Kirk Cousins with all that subtle, not so subtle, trash talk during the week and what we'd see cousins do just flinging the ball to them the entire game i mean thielen finished with uh two touchdowns 130 yards stefan Diggs probably not happy that he only had three catches for 44 yards it's not going to justify that 200k in fines he's been paying mm. uh but yeah I, I mean i think we all saw this coming by the way the, the latest news on Diggs. uh we haven't really talked about that in the podcast now um he is uh, not going to be traded. The, the Vikings have said repeatedly they've turned down offers for him. A bunch of teams called, obviously, when Diggs was on the trade uh, trade block, and uh, they're not interested in trading him. They're going to try and work things out with him, and I think that's probably the smart move. Yeah, it's like the Jaguars not trading Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I think even to a more severe degree because the Vikings have this Kirk Cousins contract for the next year and a half and so in theory i'm not saying they are a super bowl caliber team uh but in theory they're in the middle of their super bowl window you don't trade away uh i think one of the game's best receivers if he was playing in a better offense with a better quarterback so i don't see any reason to trade him uh but like what breach said i don't think we learned a single thing about the vikings in this game this is a team that is built to beat bad teams and that's exactly what they did oh, talk to me when they beat the packers lions and bears because that's how the division's going to be three and two. what do you want what do you what do you, what do you i want them the, I why mean, the Raiders just the Raiders just thumped the, the Raiders just thumped the Bears, and every single time the Vikings go up against a team that can rush the passer, they you know they fold. 
Their offensive line's not good. They lost two divisional games. That matters. They're three and two, and they lost two divisional games on the road. You're just mad that I was like, technically they're in their Super Bowl window, but they're not really because you picked them to win the Super Bowl. They lost to the Packers and the Bears on the road. I don't understand why people are freaking out about this. There was no need for these receivers to freak out about it. Just be adults and go, I mean, like, win some games. But, like, you lose to a top five defense in a divisional rival on the road? What what is the big They're not going to beat them at home either. That please, they will whip the Bears at home. Oh, whip. I feel like we can. I mean, we should make the bet closer uh, to the game. Someone needs to injuries, cut that but. and 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 direct message it to me after the if Vikings the, and Bears play. If the two teams are remotely healthy, I mean. Um. By the way, all right. So next three games for the uh for the for the Vikings: Eagles at home, at the Lions, and the Redskins at home. What do they finish in that in the stretch of games, Sean? Ah. Uh. Two and one. Three and oh, Sean. Two yep. and one. And by the way, the, the Vikings are uh, minus three against the Eagles. I like the Vikings early in that game. They have a great home field advantage. The Eagles uh, pass rush is good, but uh, Eagles, you can you can throw on them. I think Cousins has a nice day against the, uh, against the Vikings in that, in that game. Against the, uh, the Eagles in that game. Moving along, what if – do I have anything about Danny Dimes? I mean, they're going to get blasted by the Patriots. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I expected him to struggle. I wouldn't hold this against him. Um, I think he continued, like you, you said, he makes nice throws and you can see the flashes. I do think his stat line actually could have been worse though. Harrison Smith dropped the pick and, uh, there are a couple of really ugly throws, but I'm, missed, I'm encouraged. I remain encouraged by him. Yeah. Um, he missed a wide open Sterling Shepard in the, in the back right. to cut right. it to, to potentially cut it to a one score game. Um, so if no one watched a single minute of Bill's Titans, did it really happen? There are some missed field goals that Breach probably would love. I mean, Bre- yeah, some of us live in Nashville and had actually, to watch it, Brinson. This, this is actually Breach porn. A bunch of like <laughs> a, low scoring, a low scoring game, like field goals missed all over the place. Nashville team, um, Josh Allen. He loves Josh Allen. What did uh, my takeaway from this is that the Bills defense is one of the five best defenses in football. And that's they, what your takeaway would be if you didn't watch the game, except for Marcus Moreno drove up and down the field, put him in field goal range four times, only to have Carlos Santos miss all four field goals. They should have won this game handily. The Titans should have. The Bills defense was the laughing stock of the league. If you only watch this. No, it wasn't that bad, but the, the Titans did do a lot better than I thought they would. Uh, and, and Carlos Santos absolutely did cost the Titans the game. Is he going to get cut? Uh, no, I think he'll stick around this week. But remember, their kicker is a pretty amazing drive chart, by the way. Punt, punt, miss field goal, punt, punt, miss field goal, punt, touchdown, miss field goal, miss field goal, punt. That is something else. Well, just real quick, their kicker to start the season was Ryan Suckup. So then Suckup had that mysterious injury that didn't heal. Then they put him on injured reserve. Then they had to go out and sign Cairo Santos. And now here we are, Santos just blowing games. I mean, this was one of those, uh, and, you know, like Brinson said, since this was one of those games that only went to 2% of the country and no one watched, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But it was absolutely, I don't know why Mike Vrabel kept sending him out. He, two of the misses were from, one was from 50, one was from 53. Uh, I don't know if anybody has a weather radar at their house, but it was torrential downpour in Nashville all day. Uh, there were thunderstorms. It is just not one of those days where I'm setting my kicker out for multiple plus 50-yard field goals. Uh, and then one of the field goals got tipped. So I would only really pin one on Santos. But, you know, if you tell the coach you can make them and you're going out there to try a 50-53, you shouldn't miss. Oh, and- but, Breach, I want to just 
clear up a little something, lest people think that we're drunk or that, you know, like I let you smack me around a little bit there. Marcus Mariota with 13 of 22 for 183 yards. The Titans averaged 4.5 yards per play. Uh, they were terrible. The, the Bills defense is great. They didn't march all over the field. Mike Vrabel got desperate and let him attempt a bunch of long ass field goals and his kicker missed them because they're idiots. The Bills are a better team. Your narrative is crap. Can I, by the way, what was really funny that we wrote about in the offseason, everyone wrote about was like the Titans having to outbid the Patriots or Adam Humphreys. Like they had to have this guy. And I'm sorry. Like I don't want to like trash Adam Humphreys, who I think is a good player. Uh, but he has what 19 catches now this year for 172 yards. I mean, this is like the classic, you know, Patriot guys, got, and they see like another Patriots guys interested, and they, they, you know, they come from the Belichick coaching tree, and they got to feel like they got to outsmart the Patriots. Like, who knows that the Patriots are actually in on this guy? They probably put some sort of low offer on him, and they don't really care. And he's, like, a, he's, a, white, he's a white slot receiver. He's like, <laughs> in on him. Right, just a total waste of money and resources that they don't need to do. Yeah. Um, and also, these two teams are, you know that Spider-Man meme? Where they're the same? These two teams are the same. Amendment? That, that's, that's what I learned <laughs> from watching. I would much. Wait, the, what? The, the Bills are better. Like, I hate Josh Allen. The Bills are way better because their defense is maybe a top three defense in the league. I think the Bills' defense is slightly better, but I think Mariota's slightly, slightly better than Allen. Talking about. Yeah, Mariota's better, but that defense. Yeah, that's, uh, so they're the same. That's, Mariota's better than Allen, and the Bills' defense is better than the Titans' defense. Bills and they defense, all, so they're the same. The Bills' defense is way better than the Titans' defense. I don't know if it's way better. And I'd rather have Josh Allen than Marcus Mariota. No, that's crazy talk. Uh, the Bills, by the talk. way, under their bye in week six, they're four and one coming out of their bye. Have you seen this schedule? They're going to the playoffs. They yeah. get the Dolphins, Eagles, Redskins all at home, at Browns, at Dolphins, Broncos at home. Uh, before, you know, closing out with Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, Jets. I mean, they're going to get to eight wins by by Thanksgiving. They're going to the playoffs. Final game, mentioned the Broncos. They went into Los Angeles and beat my, my Broncos, beat my Chargers, and Breach called it, what did you call it, Brinception? Brinception. Inception, except Brinson. Uh, Thanks for explaining that. We didn't understand the... <laughs> That Not little, everyone's an Inception fan like you, Sean. That little mimic. Not uh, everyone's a Christopher Nolan fanboy. Uh, I'm a Leo fanboy. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> Broncos won 20 to 13. Um, as you might surmise, because it was a Chargers game, uh, they pooped their pants a bunch. And yeah. Philip Rivers walked off with a sad face, helmet angry. Uh, big game from Austin Eckler. 15 catches. Wow. Uh, 86 yards. Yeah. Uh, Joe Flacco, 14 to 20, 182 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Cortland Sutton had a nice day, four catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Sort of a bit of a breakout for him. Uh, nothing really for Manny Sanders. Philip Lindsay, 15 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Are the Chargers, the Chargers are two and three, and that's kind of a problem. Can I ask you, is Anthony Lynn on the hot seat? And I'm asking you because I have to write this article tomorrow. Um, if they miss the playoffs, you can get fired. I put him in like a tier three where it's like he's fine right now, but it's worth monitoring because you could see Mike it Tomlin turning. With Mike Tomlin, maybe? No, because Mike Tomlin has the quarterback excuse. Yeah, but I mean, it's worth monitoring. Like, I don't think I, Tomlin... they're not firing him. They lost Ben Roethlisberger early in the season. Maybe. If the, if the Chargers lost Philip Rivers and they were doing this, I wouldn't be talking about it. That's oh. fine. I mean, I don't. I um, yeah, I think he's on the. I mean, I think he's on the fringe. 
Like if the Chargers go six and ten this year, he could definitely get fired. What if they go eight and eight and they miss the playoffs? Because yeah. that's what they look like right now. They're so sloppy and so bad. They didn't know how to incorporate Melvin Gordon. They're so I, well. I I don't understand I why Melvin Gordon just gets his like lead back. You know, he he leads the team. He gets four times as many carries as Austin Eckler. When Austin Eckler wasn't just better than Melvin Gordon has ever been in his career in that four game stretch, he was one of the best running backs in football in that four game stretch. I don't understand why they suddenly give this guy who was holding out his job back. Like keep writing Eckler. Um, Philip Rivers, by the way, was terrible in this game. Yeah, uh, I'm worried about the Chargers. I, you should be. They have the Steelers at home. They should. They have to win that game. It's a Sunday night football too. Yuck. Um, then at the Titans and at the Bears. I mean, if they if you told me they went one and two, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. No, not at all. And you look at the, the AFC West has been completely flipped upside down. The Chiefs at four and one. Raiders are winning this division. I mean, that's not. I would have laughed at you if you said it last week, but now it's not funny. I'm. I will laugh at both of you. Ha ha. The Chargers have a plus nine point differential. They're two and three. I mean, they're just, they stink. They stink. They're, they're so annoying. And they do so much, so many stupid things so stupidly. I hate the Chargers. <laughs> we haven't talked about, this wasn't in this game, but they have, they've had an injured kicker and they've been using their punter and they finally signed a kicker this week. It's like, why didn't you just do it weeks ago? Why didn't you put Badgley on IR, sign another kicker and not kick with your punter? Like it costs you multiple games. They're so stupid. Wait, and the best part is that the guy they signed missed his first field goal attempt of the game. Obviously. Because it's Chargers. If you are in a Chargers uniform, you lose all kicking knowledge, and you just are not good. They were down um, 17 nothing. 17 nothing at half. Yeah. This game was they, over at halftime. They required a uh, Desmond King punt return, 68 60 yards, for a touchdown uh, in the third quarter to actually get on the board, and then they managed two more field goals the rest of the way. This is pathetic. It's pathetic. And one of the field goals came with 10 seconds left. So this was not a one score game. No, 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 not at all. This was a, uh, this is an embarrassing effort by the Chargers. All right. Um, Vic Fangio though, finally on the board. Yeah. Vic Fangio and Cliff Kingsbury both got on the board. So that's exciting. Is there any, are there any, uh, are there any other winless, uh, first year coaches? Just one. Uh, who? I can't even He's friends that. with Sean McVay. Oh yeah. Um, does he, guys, coach? he could be three and two. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be on his tombstone when they fire him. Hey, by the way, the, the could have Broncos, been sixteen or no. The Broncos have the Titans, Chiefs, Colts, and Browns. How many of those games do they win? The, the Titans, the Broncos should be three and two right now. That, <laughs> stop it! Stop it with both of you. No, dude, could dude, be, should dude, be. Oh, it Bears, doesn't matter. They're one and four. It they should have beat the Bears. They should have beaten Jacksonville. They should be three and two right now. I mean, they, they come on. Right, but at one and four, they're done. I don't. I, I, I don't mean, get over six and a half wins. Oh. Are they done? They're not in playoff. They're not contending for a playoff spot. I don't care about their over-under. I'm just saying uh, they're done. Sean, the wild card spot in the AFC is 3-2 and two right now. Yeah, they're not done. <laughs> All right, I mean, we'll find out, but I'm the glad Bears, that you talked Bears yourself. Be, the Bears could be 1-4, and four, I'll tell you that. Yes, but what do we talk about? It's all about stacking wins, and the Broncos have not stacked wins, and the Bears got three wins. Yeah, but the Broncos could be about to stack wins, Sean. That's you got to look ahead. Remember the Colts were one, Colts were one and four last year. They ripped off a bunch of wins. And who was their quarterback? Andrew Luck. Who is the Broncos' quarterback? Joe. 
Flacco. January Joe, man. That guy won a Super Bowl. Well, it's not. Well, I guess we'll check in in January and see what he's doing. Though. Let's get out of here. Yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> any, uh, any last thoughts for each other than my, me yawning and and the Bears losing to Ooh, the Raiders? I have a thought. Yeah, the Bears lost to the Raiders. Just I have a, I have a thought though. Okay. You know who won the week? Russell Wilson, because Mahomes had a a stinker by his standards on national TV. Uh, the Cowboys weren't on national TV, but they were in a time window when there was only one other game going on, so everyone was watching. Dak Prescott threw three interceptions, and Russell Wilson on primetime had one of the best performances we've seen in a while, and now Russell Wilson, I think, is very firmly in that MVP conversation, and I think you can make a case. It's like him and Mahomes, neck and neck. And Christian McCaffrey. And I would also like to point out that Zach Taylor is not the only first-year coach who is still winless. Mr. Brian Flores in Miami Fools. That doesn't count. How does that not count? They're not trying to win. It almost certainly counts. I don't think the Bengals are at this point anymore. He's either. really he's really four and out because they're trying to lose. So he's well, he's being job. outsmarted by Zach Taylor. That's a classic move that a Sean McVay friend would make. Hey guys, I, I have one thought too. I just want you to know that this week, this time next week, we will be discussing the Redskins Dolphins game. If we're up to two thirty Eastern talking about Redskins Dolphins, uh, Ryan's gonna write. So I don't. We think should do an that. emergency podcast on only the Redskins Dolphins game. I have to go get. I have to go call an Uber from this office. I'm like the only person left here. So if I die and and I, and, and you know I get mugged or something like that, who? What's your podcast? Will who would be the new host? Like, have you left your will? Like, uh, breach. Ha <laughs> ha! Over so Ryan. Not. Wow. Well, Ryan's not here right now. He's, he's incapacitated, so. I hadn't, I have not thought about it, no. Well, you might want to get started. It's always, it's always good to be prepared. Jeez, Sean, you got some, pl- you got an Uber driver by Brinson? Who's yeah, I hope something doesn't happen to him, because now I'm going to be the primary suspect, unfortunately. So please get home safe, Brinson. Uh, alright, boys. It's been fun. I will, uh, oh yeah, and by the way, tomorrow, uh, Breach is going to talk to Jason Lockenfora. Talking and- to JLC and Dubin. And Dubin to preview the Monday night game between the Browns and the 49ers. And then I think you guys are letting me off the hook, so I'm going to a concert. I can't wait to tell my wife that I'll be leaving tomorrow night, too. And we will properly roast you for your absence on the podcast that will come out Tuesday morning. We're not doing it now. We'll do it later. Roast you to the sky coming to Raleigh on Friday. Should I go? <sighs> I'm going to roast you so hard on Tuesday. I'm dead serious. I know, but I, I'm going to save this for the podcast. We are not on it, but there's an explosions in the sky story and your absence that are tied together. So I'd be very mad if you went. Oh my God. It's your 20th anniversary tour this Friday. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to a guy who had tickets to that tour. I'm going. It's at the Ritz. I'm definitely going to go see that. Ritz sucks. <laughs> I, 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 I almost dropped enough bomb there at the end, but. Uh, I am going to go see it. Cool. Uh, that means I'm going to go see Luna on Monday, explosions in the sky on Friday. My wife's going to leave me. Excellent. All right. It's what you deserve. I'm going to leave you. Ouch. Uh, Harsh. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys now and uh, go get in this death Uber. Always fun. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And talk to you guys manana. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 